Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Yes, right now. And while the forecast is for warm this afternoon, if you haven't been outside this morning, it is gorgeous. It was really pretty. 72 at my house when I left. Anyway, happy uh, Sunday morning to you all live from Sunny Slope with the lovely Shira on uh, the phones and music. And we have John Roller, our guest host, formerly our regular guy here. On the news, and a beautiful morning out there, and it's going to be a little hotter this afternoon. You know, we know that's going to happen, and um, because it did yesterday, and it's supposed to even get warmer all week, but there's always a good side. You know, the all the good side is this hot and dry does trim down the amount of insect pest and pressure we have, so that part's good. We do have to get out and check our irrigation, make sure things are well watered. That's going to make a difference. And it's a time of year we kind of change what we're planting. We can still plant desert trees and palms and citrus, but probably not the best time to plant a peach tree. You probably want to hold that off until fall. Anyway, whatever your dreams are for that perfect garden, give us a call. We have wide open phones, and uh, we start off every morning, and you could you know, determine the direction we go to. We had a great five Father's Day show with you all last week. It was really fun. I especially like Shira's song that she had for us for Father's Day and, and and her smile whenever she was back there. But, you know, we've got wide open phones. Give us a call. 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. We're kind of hitting these normal temperatures. And there's always the sunny side of life. The sunny side is when we bring in these higher temperatures, 112, 114, uh, you know, we start to draw moisture from the Gulf of California. That's what sets our, masu- our monsoon going. And so, you know, the fact that we haven't had much yet is because our weather's been so nice. But, you know, a few hot days and hopefully it'll bring in some rain. Anyway, three lines still available. Number to call 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Take our first caller this morning, David and Buckeye in the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Happy Sunday, David. Uh, thank you very much for taking my call, Brian. Uh, my question is, uh, I lost the tree uh, in the monsoons last year. I haven't replaced it. I'm thinking about replacing it with a palm. Uh, my tree line gets water once a week, 45 minutes. Will that be enough water for a palm tree? Well, as long as you have a decent-sized well around your palm tree and you have a large enough emitter or maybe a bubbler to put water out at the right rate, that would be fine. Yeah, I've got actually, there are two emitters that feed that tree mm-hmm. or locate station. Okay. And they're adjustable so I can increase the flow or not. So, well, David, a- for, for most for most trees, okay, it's going to be hard unless you have bubblers and big wells to get enough water on for most of your trees in 45 minutes. Weekly is plenty frequent, but uh, as far as the amount of volume you need to put on, it, it depends on how large the trees are and how old they are and how mature. But um, you're going to probably, unless you have you know irrigation that comes out really quickly, uh, need to run longer than that. Okay, well, I can do that. Uh, my other trees are all like 10 years old mm-hmm. and seem to require very little water. Well, are they, are they uh, desert types of trees like mesquites and Palo Verdes and that type of thing? 
No, one's a uh, Chinese elm. Mm-hmm. Uh, another is uh, fruitless olive, and the other is that doggone Texas ebony. <laughs> well, it's pretty, though, right? I know it has the beans and the flowers, but it is pretty. You know, with all those trees, uh, David, and especially if they're that old, uh, what you'd probably want to be doing most of the year is running them every two weeks and then for, you know, a lot longer. Um and that would be plenty. And those are all very drought-tolerant trees. And even in the summertime, yeah. until it's 110 plus, you know, every two weeks is fine. But, um, you know, what type of palm are you thinking about? Well, that was going to be my next question. What do you recommend? I want the, – the reason I don't want to put another uh, big canopy-type tree in there is that uh, it casts a shadow over my lantana, and the lantana doesn't – want to grow with it. Oh, okay. Ever since, ever since I lost that tree, the, the lantana's getting more sun. and Really happy, I'm sure. Um, so how large, how tall would you like for this tree to grow? No more than six feet. Uh, I'd say four to six feet tall. At, well, if, you, if you're in a location like that, and if it's in full sun, you really don't have a lot of choices. That's kind of a slower tree. Um, you know, the thing about it is, though, even if you wanted a, a bigger canopy on your palm tree, just to be prettier, you could grow probably a Mexican blue palm. In a Mexican blue palm, you can keep the overall height of the tree less than 10 foot for 30 years by, you know, monitoring and not watering it very much. It's a native tree to Baja, California, and quite hardy. But the other smaller varieties that are common here are the Mediterranean fan and the pygmy date and even the sago. Now, sago palms uh, in full sun will burn this time of year for the first few years, but they'll acclimate and take full sun in the summertime as well. And uh, the Mediterranean's probably a little hardier than the pygmy date, though all three would probably do fine. Okay, well, what you're telling me, I think the Mediterranean fan would probably be the way I want to uh Goal. And, uh, so and David, those are t- typically a multiple trunk tree where they have two or three or four trunks, something like that on them. Yeah, that'd be uh, nice to have because, like I say, it's going to be in place of uh, a Chinese elm that I lost. Uh, and it actually, it, it snapped off in the ground so that uh, there's nothing exposed in a trunk. I, I still got to get that trunk. Oh, you could, yeah, or you can probably up. plant right next to it as long as it's below the surface. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Well, thanks, really David. Come and see us. And, you know, and, and do look at the Mexican blue palms, too, because you can really okay. control their size with, with water. And, and I've seen plenty of them around town. In fact, I know there are some that are over 30 years old that the overall trees are less than 8 feet. And uh, okay, so they're, well, they're a very hardy tree, too, if you want a single trunk. Okay. So Mexican blue or Mediterranean fan look like my two choices. Those would look so. like the top choices to me, sir. Thank you very much. Happy Sunday, day. David. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we've got Lynn and Glendale. After Lynn, it's wide open. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. We're here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on an absolutely gorgeous Sunday morning. You know, destined to be warm this afternoon. Maybe we need solar cookers. Hi, Lynn. <laughs> Okay. Oh, good morning. Many moons ago when I was a Boy Scout, we built solar ovens, and they're they're exceedingly efficient. I know my brother did, too, in high school <laughs> at North High. He won a prize for it. So anyway, hey, 
What vine, if any, will take the West Sun? Well, Bougainvilleas will do fantastic. Well, besides Bougainvilleas. Are they too pretty for you, Lynn? Is that the problem? Well, I can't stand all the dropping leaves and stuff. <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind <laughs> of rough. This, it's, it's rough this time of year to, to start one, Lynn. There's, there, there's a, quite a few options, actually. But, um, you know, planting right now probably wouldn't be ideal. Um, you know, another old school plant that's thorny would be pyracantha. And that, that'll do fine oh, in the West. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. So oh, you've had those before. I, um, yes. Yeah. Years ago. And my, I, we even have a poem. I've got a poem somewhere, a thing about pyrocancer. And my mother had cut out of something years ago. Well, <laughs> we pyro- our, our first home when we lived in South Phoenix, we had a large pyrocantha hedge. And, uh, you know, when the berries were ripe, the, the birds would fly in and get drunk. Oh, and, yeah. and the birds were so intoxicated they couldn't even fly. But they sure loved those pyrocanthas. Oh, we sure sat there and watched. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cats love those pyrocanthas, too. But at any rate, um, oh. no, uh, you know, there's several other vines. Even a, a tangerine cross vine might be a choice. Um, okay. Primrose jasmine. Um, oh, okay. that, yeah, it would be one that would grow fine there too. But realistically, I think if you're going to start on the west, you're going to want to wait and plant in September. Oh, okay. You know, other than That's what I need to know. Yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't put them in this time of year. You know, we're, we're coming into the hottest, longest days with the most yeah. reflected heat on that west side. And, you know, you're talking we'll have temperatures well over 150. Uh, is there a lot yeah. up against the wall or rock? Well, it's a stucco wall. And then what's in front of it? Nothing. I mean, is it dirt or grass or rock or what, what's there? Oh, oh, dirt. Dirt. Okay. So you're still going to get a fair bit of reflected heat. I, I would hold yeah. off the planting until uh, September. Okay, great. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, and happy Sunday. <laughs> to you as well. Bye-bye. Uh, next up, we have George in Phoenix. After George, we still have an open line scenario here. We have the lovely Shira back here smiling. We're going to take a short break and come back with George. And if you call during the break, you can be up next after George on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.3 FM KTAR.
Well, welcome back, folks. Just a little dirt dirt in the Red River Valley. A little fun this morning. Beautiful morning out there. We do have four lines available. The lovely Shearer here on Phones and Music. Give her a call. 602-277-5827-277. KTAR, George in Phoenix. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks, Brian. Hey, I got a question for you. A couple years ago, we had a lemon tree that it just had... I don't know how many lemons, just a ton of lemons on it. And then we got a wind shear, and it just snapped it right at the base. So I chainsawed it and got it all out of there and left the base of it there. And it's got all these sprouts coming up. And it's, I don't know what you want to call them. George, how far above the ground are they, are they generating from? Uh, probably about three inches, four inches from the ground. Boy, that low, they probably are rootstock. So they're, they're probably the rootstock from the lemon. They probably won't produce viable, good lemon fruit. Oh, it won't. No. So it, basically, it, you just cut it out. You're better off to start over if it's that low. I mean, if you can, if you have some of the wood that's above the ground, if you have some shoots that are coming out, say, 8 to 10 inches above the ground, if you remove the lower ones and let those come back, it may come back. And if it comes back, it'll come back really quickly. But if it's all starting right there, you know, close to ground level, uh, I would probably start over. Well, they're, they're about six feet tall now. You know, right, but that seven. doesn't mean they're ever going to produce good lemons. Okay, so it's not, how, it's not okay. how tall they are now. It's where they come from. So citrus okay. trees are typically grafted about three to four inches off the ground. And everything I, below that is going to be a lemon rootstock, and above that will be the good lemon tree. Okay. My other question is, this time of year with the heat coming on like this now, what? how much often do they have to be watered? I've got a uh, uh, grapefruit and an orange tree that are mature, and... Uh, I've I've been watering about every 10 days or so. Is that good enough? Well, for mature trees, George, that should still be fine. You know, honestly, it's pretty hard to overwater citrus in the summertime when it's really hot. But uh, once every week to 10 days should be in most soils around the valley, plenty adequate. You know, and if you're in a heavy clay soil like in Gilbert, you'd be watering once every two weeks. Uh, And lighter soils, if you're like around the mountains where it drains faster, you may be more frequent. And what about a brand new lime tree we just planted this spring? How often does that have to be? You know, uh, make make sure it's wrapped in weekly watering. Okay, do I have to shade it from the heat? I also got a nectarine we planted. No, there's no reason to have to shade the citrus at all. But you want to make sure that their trunk is wrapped and protected from the sun so the sun doesn't hit it. And that that would be good for the nectarine as well. But, um, you know, you might burn a few leaves on them right now with the heat, but they should be fine. Okay, by wrapping, what are you talking about? Well, uh, you know, typically if you buy a tree from us, it comes with a plastic wrap that goes around the trunk that protects them from the sun. Or when we plant an orchard, we put wraps on all those right. trees. Uh, you can do it, though, at home with a, a piece of a sheet strip just ripped and wrapped around it, a piece of cardboard, even a beach towel. Okay. But, uh, they, you know, really just like if you go to the beach, they're at the beach all day. They don't get a move. So you want to protect from the ground to where the branches start so it doesn't sunburn and scald. Okay, great. Well, that's good advice. Thank you very much for that. Well, George, thanks for the call and have a nice weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, it's a beautiful morning here in Sunny Slow, folks. Going to be a warm afternoon. But uh, we have wide open phones and the lovely Shira here. I mean, she has to get up really early to come in here, you know, for a young person. And uh, and she's here bright eyed and smiling today. 
And she survived the big Bermitsa party last weekend, so she's, she's in good shape. <laughs> Give her a call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. We could talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, what to grow, how to grow it, where to grow it. You know, some fun different places in Arizona. You know, Arizona is such a special state where we can be up at 10,000-foot elevation or down at just about sea level. Um, you know, obviously, it's the time of year to escape to the mountains. So we could also talk about things if you're going up to Flagstaff or Sholo or Globe or Greer. We could talk about things that we could plant up there this time of year. You know, if you're looking for some color in the mountains, it's a perfect time of year to plant geraniums and flower beds and things up there. And even short-term vegetables. You know, our season's not so long in the, in the hills. But, um, you know, if you have a cabin and you wanted to plant some tomatoes and peppers and those kind of things, great time to do it. If you want to plant some pumpkins, you better get them in really quick because, you know, up there we have freezes oftentimes. It'll be as early as September. So you can talk about hill planting as well. So if you're going to escape the valley and go to the mountains, uh, it's a great time to have a little color around. Now, we do have some kind of big nuisances up there occasionally, things like the elks and the deer. And and so we have to be mindful of what they're going to eat and have plants maybe in an area where they're not going to visit our garden so much. Though they're awfully fun to watch, they're not the most welcome visitors of the time, if you have, especially if you have fruit trees. Uh, two lines still available. Number to call 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Judy and Mesa, good morning. Good morning. Uh, my question is, we have a uh, lemon tree, which we have, it's maybe 8 to 10 years old, but um, it is so tall now, and we had a man come, well, he never really cut it much in the spring, and my husband wants to cut it again because the shoots off the top are so tall, like, you know, the thing is almost 20 feet tall, and, you know, we wanted to trim it back. Well, this hurt it at this time of year if we do that? Not really. I mean, Judy, the only thing we'd be mindful of is we wouldn't want to expose the wood to the direct sun, so we don't want to cut it back so far that it's bare, but those water sprouts and the shoots that are growing, you know, vigorously right through the top of the tree, if your husband would like to prune those back in half, tell him to cut away. And uh, my grandfather used to say the more you prune a citrus, the faster it grows. And it's kind of when you do prune a citrus, it'll generate new buds and come out and branch more. But removing those long shoots that come out the top would be a good plan. Okay. And I noticed on the inside, there's a lot of like dead branches, but yet we got a lot of lemons from it. Well, and that's kind of the norm with citrus as they get older. We'll have some dead wood on the inside because that portion of the tree becomes shaded and what we would do you know would do with our orchards if we had enough manpower is thin that all out because the fruit that sets on the inside next year will be the best quality of all it's protected from the wind and the sun doesn't have wind scarring and just the really the top quality fruit so if you want to open out the inside now i wouldn't do that this time of year i would save that pruning for maybe february next year and just go ahead and open up the inside of the tree but if you want to remove the big sprouts you know coming out now is the perfect time Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Judy. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we have uh, Veronica in Cave Creek. Good morning, Veronica. Good morning. I know this is probably the worst possible time, so I want to know when the good time would be. I have a large pomegranate tree in a large pot, and I want to put it in the ground. When would be the best time to do that? Is it in the sun now, Veronica? It is. Okay. So you can plant it any time. Um, I would probably... Really? Even yeah, now? And even now. But what I would wait for, Veronica, is I would wait for the monsoon to start. 
So we oh, get a little okay. more humidity, and that's going to, you know, hopefully, if we get hot this week, they'll start bringing some moisture in. And once the monsoons get, you know, get rolling, and if you wanted to plan it, say, the, you know, the middle of July, 1st of August, it'd be fine. Okay. And should I, it's about hmm, 10, 11 feet tall, but it's not very wide because mm-hmm. the pot has been confining it. Should I cut it back or just do it as it is? Veronica, is it sitting on the soil where it's rooted in the ground now? No. Okay, so it's not the roots are all contained in the pot. Um, yeah, it would probably make a better contained. tree if you cut it back. And okay. if you're going to put it in substantially more sun, you might want to protect it, you know, from the on the sides. Maybe wrap even the the main part of the trunk, you know, until September. But um, no, I'm actually going to put it in the same spot where it is. Just take it out of the pot. Oh, it, you know what? It's going to if you're going to put it in the same spot, plant it today if you want to. The, the, oh, the only okay. risk that you have to that tree right now is maybe having a less quality crop this year by planting it. Everything mm-hmm. else is going to benefit that tree. Oh, great. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, Veronica. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, let's see. Next, we got Mark in Phoenix, and we have some open lines, folks. The number to call, 602-277-5827. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Excellent. Enjoying the day. <laughs> Great. I know it's going to be a lot hotter when I leave than when I arrive. When I arrived this morning, it was 72 degrees, you know, so it's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, at least you know what to expect. <laughs> well, I, I did grow up here, but, you know, I also grew up here right here in Sunny Slope, and we didn't used to have air conditioning. We had swamp coolers. So uh, this time of year, the uh, coolers worked really well. It was August that was the feared time. Oh, I know. I know. Hey, I've got a, a big fi- mature ficus tree in my front yard. It's about 30 feet tall, and the the leaves are probably 20 feet in diameter, you know, and mm-hmm. the trunk is more than a foot in diameter. It's about eight feet uh, straight out in front of the front, front bedroom. And in that bedroom, I've got cracking that goes um, – Perpendicular um, to the direction of the roots growing, and it was like that ten years ago when I bought this house. But I'm, the tree's gotten so big now, it really doesn't fit the space, and I'm not sure what to do with it. I've cut some of the roots that grew out to the side towards the sidewalk, you know, that walks up to the front door. Mm-hmm. So I got that taken care of. But I'm just wondering, can that, can a tree like that? With a with a root say growing north, cause a crack in a in a room that goes east it west. Could if there was a water source under the under the room. So if you had a leak somewhere in the house, any yeah. kind of a water source, or even coming like across the corner of a house where the root would go underneath, and maybe there was a leak on the other side of the house where it had water. Anywhere it could find water. You know, trees are very opportunistic. They're a lot like us. They want to live. They want to grow. Okay, mm-hmm. and so anywhere it can go find water, it will. But the way to manage that tree, if you want to manage it and enjoy the tree, is, you know, we're a little late in the season right now. It would probably really be damaged if you pruned it hard right now. But it would be to leave it until about the 1st of October, okay, and then reduce the whole size of the top of the tree by about a third. And then dig a trench right along the side that goes towards the house and, and just remove any roots that are headed towards the house at all. And if you'll prune it once a year just to kind of maintain its size on top, that will control its root growth at the same time, and you can keep that tree in captivity for years. Okay. So you don't, you don't recommend taking it out? Well, I mean, it's kind of hard. You know, one thing is you catch 22 right now. You take it out, you're losing your shade too, you know. Exactly. But, but this is but the time the of year when it grows is- fast. 
Yeah, also the area between, and it's a rock front yard, mm -hmm. the area between the tree and the house is is really heaved up. I mean, it's probably heaved up six inches compared well, to that. It probably has some major roots that are going under that soil there, Mark. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it does. Yeah. So anyway, if, I, you know, if you want to keep the tree, I, you can cut some of the roots headed towards the house right now, but don't prune the tree heavily this time of year. It'll just burn up and get scalded. Wait till the 1st of October, butcher the tree, reduce its size by at least a third, and then sever all the roots on that side, and it'll re recover and be fine, provide you shade, and it will no longer attack your home. Okay. Well, that sounds great. I really appreciate <laughs> right, Mark, your help. I got to let you know, John Rohr snuck in here. He wants to do some news for us. Hey, have a nice day. Okay. Thanks, Mark. You too. And we're going to follow up with Mr. John. It's so fun to be back with John here live with the news every Sunday morning. Well, John's only here is our guest guy. He's Mr. Traffic now, folks. He's the one that keeps you informed all week of the traffic. We'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, Shira's got a couple lines available at 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Sunday morning out there, live from Sunny Slope we are, and we have three lines available to give uh, Shira a call, 602-277-5827. We can talk about your dreams, your nightmares, what to grow, how to grow it, and uh, whatever else you're having fun with out in the garden. David Nawatuki, good morning, David. Hello. Hi, David, you're live. Hello. Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. My phone cut out there for a second. Yeah. Say, um, I, I basically, the question is what not to plant in my garden or, and what to plant, uh, because, uh, I had a little garden going, but, uh, all the little animals, the chipmunks, the squirrels, maybe possibly uh, some rats or mice or whatever, they just kind of went into my garden and just grazed. They, as these shoots came up, they just ate everything. I had a pepper plant. There was a a foot tall, they ate it down, it nothing but a stock. <laughs> but I kind of wanted to get something going again. They, they did leave uh, the radishes and some mint. Uh, I don't know. They, no, they, they don't really like mint. Like you know, a, a good summer plant you could plant, they probably wouldn't bother David, would be a okra. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that would be one that would be pretty good. And you know, you could even yeah. plant some light melons right now if you wanted to. And they don't seem to eat melons as much. The vines, anyway. Melons. Oh yeah. They, they yeah, might actually scar up and eat the fruit itself, but they won't eat the usually eat the vines. Oh yeah. Yeah, because it's said to be about ninety days, so um, maybe I could even get a pumpkin going or something like that too. Well, you know, you can actually, you, you can, as long as we don't have white flies, you can plant a pumpkin in Phoenix right now and have it grow. And our white fly population here has really diminished the last few years, so um, oh, yeah. I, I would be brave enough to maybe try a pumpkin. Yeah, 
I, actually, I've got some pumpkin plants growing out in my front yard uh, accidentally because it was in my, in my compost. <laughs> but uh, the javelina are going to go nuts over that, though, probably. Well, the javelina, too. You know, our big thing, we, we're planting some pumpkins uh, actually today and tomorrow. We're going to get started up on our farm in Taylor. And we had to put up an eight-foot fence to keep the elk out because the first time that we planted pumpkins, my children and I, we, we all got together. It was our first family adventure with our new farm, and we planted 20 acres of pumpkins. And they were just doing magnificently until this herd of elk oh, showed yeah. up and ate them all in one day. And they ate 20 acres yeah. of pumpkins from every every piece of orange in one day. They were very happy with us. So they thought, hey, look at these new fools that showed up here to grow pumpkins for us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. It seems like the animals disappear anyway. But, uh, well, David, uh, the grouse acres. squirrels, I mean, the rabbits and things, you'll get lesser populations. Are you right up against the mountain? I'm right up against the mountain, but uh, the rabbits can't get in my yard. Okay. So do you have, do you have the little ground squirrels? Uh, yeah. Yeah, those those guys are going to notice anything you new you plant. They probably have just uh, been hiding and waiting for you to plant something new to feed them again. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because I was hoping to like get some cilantro growing, or or maybe a. Is it too late to plant tomatoes from seed? Well, you know, no. Actually, if you would, well, tomato from seed kind of thing. What you would do is you'd, you'd start your seeds the end of July. Okay, and uh, if you want to grow tomatoes from seeds, and then you would have the tomato plants up ready. You know, usually those would be started indoors or a greenhouse or something else and have them ready to be planted in the ground, you know, towards the end of August. And our biggest gardening season here really starts the middle of August again, you know, so we can grow all kinds of greens and different things. And you might just have to cage it. I mean, you might just have to get like a rabbit wire fence and build enough fence. The, the little ground squirrels are, are pretty bright and uh, pretty aggressive, and they'll, they'll find ways, and they can just up over any kind of fence <laughs> yeah okay all right well that should help a lot well yeah. that that so, that or if you got I'll you one of those that. nice little whippet dogs you know or, or a our cat you know something that or you know in the nursery we have a lot of uh, pet hawks right now that uh, are just doing a masterful job Oh yeah, the mechanical hawks. No, are, no, these are these are red tails and Cooper hawks, and they're they're eating birds like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, we've got we've got them oh, nesting yeah. in our yeah, nurseries, yeah. and they're they're really fun to watch. And there's a lot of Harris hawks around town, but um, you know the little ground squirrels are pretty good at evading those predators during the day, and uh, you know they're, they're pretty much a, a daytime feeders. But they'll, but they'll come out and really eat a lot of your garden stuff. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I'll, I'll see what I can do with that. Uh, well, we're, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to play a Tennessee like a Ernie Ford song for you here coming up in a little bit that you might enjoy. Now, I don't, okay. re- I, don't rec- <laughs> I don't recommend it for your neighborhood, okay? This isn't something we recommend that can work for you in your neighborhood. But if you happen to live further in the desert, it might work. David, have a nice day. Okay, great. Thank Th- you, Brian. Thank you. Have Bye-bye. a good one. Uh, Rick in Peoria. Good morning, Rick. Hey, Brian. Thank you very much for your show. I really appreciate it. We've got a yellow bell. Uh, it was a multi-trunk. And uh, cut all the, the – left just one trunk left. That's uh-huh. a very well-established. And want to try to prevent the uh, suckers coming up from the from the uh, one where I cut it off. So you only had three or four trunks coming out of the ground? You, you know, really – I almost- had two – that's two very well established ones. Okay. So I, I would I would seal it off with like the black tree hill type of a seal to seal the cut where you have, especially right around the cambium layer when you first cut it. And then what you could do with it, uh, Rick, would be wrap that area in the trunk. 
And you could do that uh-huh. with like a piece of burlap or, a, you know, a piece of a sheet, something to keep the sunlight off of it down there. And it probably won't uh-huh. regenerate the sucker so much. But if you leave it exposed to the sun, generating those suckers and shoots is its natural protection mechanism. Gotcha. All right. I thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Have a nice Sunday. Bye-bye. Uh, Jack and Mesa. Good morning, Jack. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Oh, enjoying the morning. I know it's going to be warmer this afternoon, but I'm going up to the mountains, so <laughs> I'll be oh, out of the valley by noon. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot for sharing. Uh, quick question here. Um, we have a olive tree that we purchased, purchased probably almost three years ago. And at the time, it was probably a four-footer or so with a maybe a one-inch diameter main trunk. And unfortunately, one of our windstorms, uh, got the best of it. It took that main trunk off. And now we have like three main trunks. Mm-hmm. And we've, they're probably two inches in diameter. The tree's probably eight foot tall. My question is, is when we bought it at your nursery, it had olives on it. Mm-hmm. And now we've had it almost three years. And we haven't seen an olive yet. And I'm just wondering, is it going to ever bear olives? Or well, Jack, it may have been grafted. Um, so can, can you, you know, kind of trace it back down to where the main, where did the main trunk break off at? Oh, almost at ground level. Ooh, okay. Uh, but but all those rootstocks should still produce some olives, Jack. Um, you know, it's, it would definitely not have been grafted to a fruitless rootstock. Um it could have been a Wilson eye olive, which is a more fruitless variety. Um, but we do have some that are grafted that you'll have fruit. So you're really wanting to grow it for the fruit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and like I said, thing of it is, is when we got it from the nursery, it, it had olives on it. Mm-hmm. It had some green, it had some black already. And which is exactly what we were looking for. And so I thought, well, okay, the main trunk, but we still got all this, other growth going and it's it's a good eight foot tall now well yeah and if and, it was, what you could do with it uh, if you wanted to jack is you could rebud it and you could bud other olives to it the same way we, we bud citrus you know and, and um you could find some other buds around and, and bud more olives to it you could do that this time of year um and basically that process would be done by by cutting it back down you know at least probably mm-hmm. a couple branches at a time letting it grow some new shoots to come back up and when they get to be about pencil size and they'll do that pretty quickly this summer um then you could put buds into those like you would citrus a little tea budding process and you could bud onto it and um you know i'm sure we could find you some buds for manzanillos or missions or different olives that you could bud into it um and take advantage of the fact that you already have the rootstock going but uh uh, you know but the ones that are grafted most of those rootstocks should still produce olives they're they're just not going to be the same oh okay well i was kind of confused because it was getting pretty big and there was never Never any production of olives, and I thought, well, yeah, even, I, even the rootstocks, though, Jack, I would I would expect for them to have some olives now, um, because yeah, well, that's what we thought too. All the rootstock you know, varieties are all are all you know fruit producing, especially especially the size it is at at this point in time. Well. Um, the the budding, it's the only sure way I can tell you that I know that you could produce something that we knew what it was and, and produce you know good oh. fruit. 
because I, I didn't know if we should just take it out and start all over with a young one or not, you know. Well, yeah, and I'm not sure what we have for good, uh, you know, good fruiting varieties. I'll tell you what, Jack, if you're in Mesa, call our Gilbert store and, and get yeah. a hold of Jennifer or Gabriel, and we'll follow okay. up together after the show today, okay? Okay. And I, I, I'll give you the number if you want, but it, it just just call the Gilbert store, though, and, and we'll get in well, touch. You know what? Is it 480-892-2712? Same number I've had there for 30-some years, 40 years almost now. Yeah. I still have the receipt, believe it or not. Wait, I didn't think about it, but it's about our 40th anniversary. That's so we're going to have to have. We're going to have to mention that. We, you know, we, we started in uh, 1983 at that location. So I, I bet you we started in September. So I think September of this year would be our 40th anniversary. Well, then you better celebrate big time. Yeah, we got to do something fun. You know, we've we've been a well when we moved to Gilbert, it had eight thousand people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, now we're all ready to globe. And it was a two, it was a two lane road with a ditch on each side. Amen. <laughs> Jack, thanks. And, and who was it, Jennifer? That Je- I was Jennifer calling? or Gabriel? Either one. They're they're both real okay. knowledgeable. We'll get together after the show and kind of figure out a plan for you. Okay. Thanks, Appreciate Jack. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thanks. Uh, Pete and Fran, we're going to take a short per- break. We're going to come back with uh, Fran first, then Pete, then you could be next. All you have to do is give us a call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show here every Sunday from 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.3 FM, KTAR. I take off time to time with those crazy friends of mine. Head out on steel horses with wheels and we ride. We burn up that road, old Mexico. Blend in with the desert, we we go and we roll. Now boys like us, sure do have fun. Racing the wind, chasing the sun. Take the long way around, back to square one. Today we're just outlaws out on the run. There'll be no regrets, no worries and such. The cowboys like it. We talk about living, babies and women, all that we've lost and what we we sing about true love, about things we ain't done. We drink one more cold one in the morning. We get up and we go. Cowboys like us, children do have fun. Well, you know what? What a life. It's certainly good to have fun. That was a nice song that Shira took for us this morning. Beautiful morning out there, folks. I want to take a moment and invite you to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees. Started with my grandparents back in the 40s and continuing today for four generations. If you need trees, any kind, any size, come out and see us. Uh, we really kind of specialize in citrus trees from 15 gallons up to big 72-inch box shade trees. Now is the perfect time to plant 
desert trees like mesquites, or we can, we have a beautiful mesquite called an American mesquite, which is a hybrid, very strong in monsoon storms. We have beautiful fruitless olive trees, which do well now, citrus trees and palms. Now, we're not going to plant everything this time of year. If you want to plant peaches, wait till October. But if you're looking for some shade this summer, come see us. At Whitfields, you can buy time. We have trees up to 30 feet tall. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 264070 Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south to Sky Harbor Airport. Whitfield Nursery for four generations, growing trees here for Arizona's future. Uh, next up, Fran in Phoenix. Hi, Fran. Hi, Brian. Um, I've got a question about a probably 12 to 15 foot tall pygmy palm, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, before I moved into this house, it's planted next to the pool. Um, and it leans forward, but I've also this year got carpenter bees drilling into it. And I've got at least probably eight carpenter bee holes, and I only know it's carpenter bees because I've seen them go in. I've plugged the holes with small rocks so they can't get back in. Fran, are the the bees just out in in the bark portion, or are they actually going into the trunk? They've actually gone into the trunk. Okay, because there are beetles that go into the trunk sometimes. There's a palm tree beetle. Um, well, all right. I haven't captured one to determine. Okay, well, they, 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 the they, look, they look about the same size as a carpenter bee. And, um, and they fly. And they fly. And they're pretty unusual um, in a pygmy date palm. They'd be more common in a California fan, which is our only native palm tree. And usually they're in the trees when they're more stressed. What I would recommend is using some systemic insecticide on the tree. Uh, Intimidichloropid okay. would be the active ingredient. You can buy bear. There's a lot of different brands. But I would treat can you, can it. I, you- Repeat that. Well, just if you go if you go to our nursery or another good nursery and just look for a systemic yeah. insecticide, okay, and it okay. could be said that it could be in a rose food, it could be for boars, but there's several different companies that make it. It's all the same active ingredient. It's anaminochlorp. It just begins with an I, and you okay. can see it. A couple of syllables anyway, and um, okay, very good. And it uh, goes through the tree sifts and makes it toxic to the boars. But, you know, I'd be a little fearful if you have that many of them, it might be the end of the tree. That sounds like a pretty old, that's that's, that's like a a real jumbo shrimp. I mean, that size for a pygmy date is really large and probably quite old. And uh, Yeah, I've been here in the house for 15 years, and it was taller than me when I moved in. Yeah, so it... it, um, it's it's having That's issues. Why I just need to remove it. Well, you might just and you could just cut it off at the ground and won't come back out. Yeah, but it's like I say, it's hanging over the pool. So well, it's, it's probably kind of pretty. You find some significant huh? find some significant other and give them a, a okay to to remove it. <laughs> Okay, well, I was just going to ask, do you all do that type of work? We don't, but but you know, there's a lot of tree companies that do it. it, it it's such a small palm tree in comparison that's very easy to do. And if you okay. cut it off at the ground, it's not going to come back. And if you, in fact, okay. if you cut it off at the ground, you planted a young one next to it, um, you could have a beautiful one that would be great for another 30 years. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I would definitely want to replace it. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Fran. Have a nice Sunday. Bye-bye. You too. Uh, Pete in Phoenix. Good morning, Peter. Well, Brian, you know, um, I just need to talk to you every once in a while. You just seem like a cool guy to know and talk to. But um, I was talking to, I have an above 
ground garden, and we were having trouble with squirrels. Mm-hmm. So we did live traps, and uh, we eventually caught eight squirrels, and we would just move them to a preserve, mm-hmm. you know, and let them go. And uh, so I was talking to my friends at the bar, and I was telling them, we caught eight squirrels, and, he, and they just said, Gee, that same squirrel is just, you're letting him go, and he's eating you home, and he's eating your garden. Well, you can always eat the squirrels, Pete. I wouldn't this time of year, but the wintertime, they're quite tasty. You know, and the squirrel population here around the valley has greatly increased. And I, I see a lot more squirrels around the last 10 years than we've ever seen here before. With little rock squirrels, um, you know, they, they love gardens. And um, you, know, you can take them out there, and then, you know, maybe an owl will find them. But uh, usually not, because they're more out in the daytime. Pete, uh, I'm going to let you go, but thanks for the call, and have a nice weekend. Thank you, Brian. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see, Elaine, we're going to try to get, we, we got a minute, Elaine. How are you, Elaine? I'm fine. I'll go quick. Okay. Happy Sunday. Um, you as well. I get confused with all the fertilizers mm-hmm. and the fish fertilizer. Can I use that often? Absolutely. You know, the organic fertilizers, especially like fish emulsion, are going to be fairly low in nitrogen. And uh, so you're not Uh going to have near as much problem with them burning. In fact, I would use all fish in our citrus orchards, except for I can't afford to because I got a few hundred acres to fertilize. Yeah. But it's an excellent excellent organic fertilizer. So if you want to use it for gardens at home and those kind of things, um, you know, it's really hard to beat fish emulsion. And it usually won't burn. You'd have to put an awful lot on to burn. Burn and but the dynamics of it and the way it works and builds soil is fantastic. And then what are the three numbers? The nitrogen and a phosphorus and, what's the other one? and potash. Okay, so it's called oh, NPK. Yeah, uh huh. And uh, nitrogen okay. nitrogen makes things grow more faster cell growth. The phosphorus helps rooting and flowering, and the potash is like a stabilization thing. So I mean, you, you need okay. all three. But uh, it depends on what you have in the soil and what you're growing. But for gardens, um, you know, chicken manures and fish emulsions and all those things, as long as they're processed, are very safe to use and wonderful products. Okay. And I need to add one bag to my uh, compost thingy. What's the best thing to add to it? Well, the, I mean, I've the, got a lot of food and stuff in there. More nitrogen's better. Okay. So if you want to just cut uh-huh. some chicken manure or fish emulsion, it's fine. I got to let you go because we have a hard break. But have, okay. have a nice Sunday, okay. Elaine. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Yep. We'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, you can give Xandra a call. Not Xandra, sure, I call at 602-277-5827-277-KTAR.